Well, I have married a lot of couples in my years of ministry, and usually at some point in the ceremony, I will look at them and say, you know, in just a minute, I'm going to pronounce you man and wife. And, and in the eyes of God, you will become one. It'll take a second for me to say. It'll take a lifetime for you to figure out. <laughs> you know, I think oneness is, is about the most wonderful, incredible idea that, that lives inside of humanity and drives humanity. You know, the truth is, a lot of different reasons can bring a man and a woman to the altar. And not all of those reasons are good. But, but whatever collection of reasons brings a couple to that place... I tell you, I always just believe that at the heart of it, that one of those reasons has to be that they're standing there thinking, maybe this is the one, that this one unique person that I'm going to spend life with. And there's a reason that is there, that, that drive in us, because that's God's design. It's, he says to us in Genesis 2, 24, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast. Some translations say cling to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This design, this plan was delivered by God right after a shocking announcement in chapter 2, verse 18 of Genesis. It's there when God looks and he sees Adam alone. Now, it doesn't say lonely. There, there's a difference between being lonely and being alone. He just sees him alone, and in that state of being, he says, hey, this is not good. Now, there's a reason I say that shocking. If you go back to chapter 1, verse 4, and it's not a long way back. It, that's a very short travel from 1-4 to 2-18. You see God purposing, designing. You see God creating. And then along certain junctures, he says, this is good. This is good. This is good. As a matter of fact, seven times, seven times between Genesis 1-4 and 2-18, he says, this is good. And that's why after seven times of saying that, it kind of flies off the page when he says, this is not good. Now, when he says this is not good, he's not going, oh my gosh, I forgot. Oh, I did something, now it's broke already. <laughs> no, good in this context means as is, this isn't appropriate. This isn't fitting. This doesn't fit the design. Now, having said that, before I even go on, let me say this. This passage is not communicating that you have to be married to be complete. This passage is not communicating that, that in order to be a part of God's big purpose, in order to be a part of what God is doing, you have to be married. As a matter of fact, we can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and we see God there literally ordain singleness. He, he actually refers to it like we might think of a spiritual gift. He, he refers to singleness as a spiritual giftedness. There is that possibility in being single. So this isn't a you have to be married to be complete. Matter of fact, I think there's actually something bigger that God is doing right here. Now, no doubt, when you turn to Genesis 2, you're seeing the invention, you're seeing the creation, if you will, of marriage. But I believe that when God is, is delivering Eve to Adam, what he's bringing to humanity is relationship. God is a relational being, and he designed us, you and me, 
to be the same. And that, that would include all kinds of relationships. I would actually go to a verse like this as just the beginning of developing an idea that you hear here at the heights all the time, that life is better connected. Now, when we say that, life is better connected, we're referring to the spiritual family. Now, we're not talking about being connected in a physical family, which is wonderful, but in that statement, we're talking about all of us in here together. As a matter of fact, I would say it's a major theme of the New Testament. You and I are going to worship the Lord better together than we are alone. We're going to serve the Lord and His purposes better together. We're going to grow in the Lord better together. So that, that's a spiritual family that we're going to do that. Christ, growing in Christ, living for Christ is not a solo journey. We do that as a spiritual family. Now, as we've gathered here together this morning and we're growing and learning about the Lord, what have we learned about the physical family the last couple of weeks? We've said a purpose of the physical family is to take what we're learning about the Lord and my physical family is where I practice. That's where I practice really being like God. Now, we're not reducing being like God to just being with our physical family. No, I got to do it out in the whole world. But with my family, what have we said? That's a primary instrument. That's a primary set of relationships where I will work out, where I will exercise trying to be what I'm learning about God. Now, one of the things, I wouldn't call this verse a part of our family series, but it did show up in our family series. One of the things we've learned about God is the Lord is one. Now, we looked at that verse because of the family statements that followed it. But if you just go back to that phrase, the Lord is one. That is central to, to the Judeo-Christian faith. That is a central theme of the Bible. The Lord is one. But as we go from that statement and open up the rest of Scripture, we learn that this God that is one is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There is one in three. The three are in one. It's not three gods. Oneness is not three gods who really, really get along. It's not, it's not three gods who just agree on everything. It's not three gods who are super unified. And the reason I say that is because when you think about how we often use the word oneness, that, that's what we mean. Oneness in a marriage, oneness in a church. We'd say, boy, they really work at getting along. Boy, they really agree. They're one. They're unified. What's going on in the Trinity is more than getting along. Okay, oneness there is more than, than just really being unified or, or in agreement. As, as a matter of fact, you say, well, what is going on there? I'll be honest with you, I find the Trinity probably the hardest thing in the Bible to get my mind around. I, I find that to be about the hardest thing to explain. And, and here's why. I don't know if, you, you know, we use the word illustration. Sometimes if I don't understand one thing, I will point to an illustration or I'll point to something else that I do understand. And you say, okay, that is like that. And then I go, oh, I get it. Well, when we're talking about the Trinity, there's really not anything in the physical world that we can point to and say, that's what it is. And we go, oh, okay, well, I get that. So, that, so there's just nothing really in our physical realm to really grasp that. Except maybe marriage. I, I don't think marriage can become the Trinity or, or just like the Trinity, but I wonder if one of the purposes 
that God has given us marriage for in, in this charge to be one is, folks, maybe just to reach out and touch the edge of glory. To reach out in the experience, the work, the work of becoming one, we touch the edge of the Trinity. Marriage might just be an opportunity for us with all of our reasons that we get married, our expectations of marriage that we're looking for in marriage. Maybe the one thing we're really missing is, hey, there's an opportunity to understand something about God. Not just something I'm to do and I'm to practice being, but a chance to maybe understand something about what God is like that is an incredible mystery. Now, the scripture will, will unwrap for us a lot of ways that you and I work at oneness. Probably the way we think of the most, the way that is, is most clearly demonstrated in scripture is we think of the sexual relationship. I mean, this scripture refers to us becoming one sexually. This is a way that we develop that oneness and work at that oneness. It is so powerful. The act of, of sex is so powerful that even when we use it wrongly, we still brush up on the edge of oneness. And you say, well, what, what do you mean when we use it wrongly? Well, look at 1 Corinthians 6 up here. It says, or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? Now, this is, this is reducing oneness to just the physical but the physical is a big part of that, that when you join with the prostitute, you become one body with her, for as it is written, the two will become one flesh. Now, just to make it clear here, when you read this verse, when you read it in the context of 1 Corinthians 6, God's not okay with this, all right? It's not like God has an idea of oneness and this just falls a little short. You know, there's God's idea of oneness, that's an A, this is like a B minus. No, this is a solid F. This is failing, okay? That is not what is. But I think in a picture of what is completely outside of God's will, what breaks the design, God is saying, that's the power of sex though. It still brings us in contact with that concept of oneness. Now oneness, while it is strongly developed in the sexual life, is not just a physical thing. Oneness is, is actually me, you, it's a person sharing the entirety of themselves with another person in harmony. And, and of course, vice versa. I mean, it really works when it's going both directions, right? But it's sharing the entire me. Well, I'm more than a physical me. There's a, there's a physical me. And that's primarily exercised and developed in the sexual relationship. But there's also a spiritual me. And so there's the sharing of ourselves spiritually, which we maybe think of working out, exercising in terms of praying together, worshiping together, serving together. There's an emotional me. That, that's all the stuff going on inside. The dreams, the, the hurts, the, the things that are exciting, the things I'm angry about, my ex. All this in here, which primarily, I guess, comes out in talking. It's amazing how much we can live in the same house and not talk. But talking is the way we exercise that. And of course, gosh, on some level, just living life together, right? I mean, there's a certain emotional bond that comes with just living through the highs and the lows and the ups and downs of life together. But it's all three of these things that create oneness. Now, folks, here's, here's the big takeaway today. Okay, I mean, you, you throw a lot of things at you, but please take, let this one catch. Let, go home with this one. 
Listen, you can be not really doing anything wrong in your marriage at all. And yet not be working on or growing toward oneness. How, how can I'm not doing anything wrong, but I'm not growing toward oneness? No, because we do not naturally grow closer together. And that's the operative word there, naturally. By naturally, what is natural? Natural means this, that's something you do without thought. It's something you do automatically. And you and I have a lot of things. We just, without thought, we, we do it. We get up and, and we go and those things happen. When we say it's not natural, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not saying it's hard. I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm saying that you have to choose it. Oneness is not an accident. You choose. And it's not a choice you make at the altar. It's a choice you make at the altar and every single day that follows. You choose to be one. It does not naturally happen. So you see, folks, you can be, be a nice person, a good person, love your mate, you're raising kids, you're paying your bills, and you're having hot dogs and apple pie every Saturday afternoon, and you can be growing apart every year of your marriage. If you're not choosing, if you're not purposing this oneness. You know, there's an incredible verse kind of tucked down in the Old Testament. It's not a verse, or it's not a passage we get to a lot, which is interesting because it's, it's a, a passage, it's a, script, uh, a book of the Bible that is just filled with romantic sexual relationship. And, and it says there in chapter 6, verse 3, I am my beloved's. And my beloved is mine. Oh, I, folks, that is God giving just a very sweet, very simple, very short picture of what oneness is. Of what he has in mind in this relationship. A deep sense of belonging. When you fully grasp this, you understand he's not talking about a, a goal we have in a lot of different relationships. You know, that I have a sense of belonging with a few friends at work and a, a sense of belonging with my children and a sense of belonging with my grandparents. And I've got this deep sense of, of belonging with, with, you know, with, with who I, to achieve this once is almost on the realm of the miraculous. It, it's, it, by its definition, it's designed for one person in life. And to achieve it, it is a choice emotionally, physically, and spiritually on a daily, on a weekly basis to our share ourselves in this way. You know, think about what's happening here. When, when, when we're exercising in the, in the sexual realm, in the physical realm, that's sharing the outside me. When, when I'm talking about hurts and fears and angers and frustrations and dreams, I, that's sharing the inside me. When I'm talking about what I'm experiencing in the Lord and what I understand about the Lord and what I don't understand about the Lord and, and the joy or the frustration in trying to follow the Lord, that's sharing the spiritual me. That's sharing the entirety of me with another. And again, when that starts working in both directions, not just once, not just for a week, but when you start developing that over a lifetime, that's where that belongingness, that's where that oneness is achieved. Now, of course, the question becomes, how? How do we do that? If you're telling me I can be a nice person and actually love my mate 
and still be growing apart, then, then how is it that we do that? Well, I, I want to try to throw some ideas at you this morning real quickly in all three of those areas. But as you look at these ideas, remember what you're seeing here is choices you have to make. This isn't about what they deserve. This isn't about whether you see it coming back to you. This isn't about whether it's hard or easy. This is about choices that you and I have to make each and every day, each and every week. Now, you know, when I start throwing these things up here, you know, I want to recognize something right away. Looking at ideas kind of implies that that we're on a neutral slate. And, And we're not. I mean, nothing's neutral. As a matter of fact, I would say, listen, I, I'm a believer in God's word. I believe it, it tells us everything. And, and it says in Ecclesiastes that there's nothing new under the sun. So there's, there's not new sin. There's not new sickness. There's not new problems. We've got the, the same things today they had 2,000 years ago. Having said that, I do believe that, that, that people are walking around today with a greater depth of sin and sickness than maybe ever before. I believe that we enter marriage sicker, more unhealthy, more unable than ever before. There's a variety of reasons for that. One that I would point to all by itself is pornography, which is absolutely reshaping the landscape of our world. And now, not just in a group or with a person, we now have an entire society where we're taking the lie, we're taking what is fake, we're taking what is not real, and that becomes how we're trying to shape reality. We're taking what is bad and trying to give definition to the good. And so we're carrying a a tremendous amount of unhealthiness into things. Hey, listen, if you're unhealthy... You gotta get in touch with that, right? You gotta go to the Lord with that. You gotta pray about that. You may need to, to get counseling on that. But listen, to relate, not just with a mate, to relate with anyone implies a certain amount of health. And we're not a healthy people. For, for a variety of reasons, we are not a healthy people. So there can be a little frustration in throwing, hey, do this. This is fun. This is good. And, and yet I, I can't measure the baggage and the hurt that we're carrying as we attempt to try to start and do these things. Having said that, this is what we need to be working on. This is what we need to be aiming for. When we said I do, we're taking God's charge to be one with this person. Okay, what would that look like spiritually? What would I do with someone if I'm trying to work on oneness? Okay, this probably doesn't seem earth shattering. That seems kind of obvious. Pray and read scripture together once a week. Now, I'm not limiting you to once a week. Okay, don't, don't say, he said just once, put that away. Okay, no, we, we, it can grow beyond that, all right? Um, but when I put here once a week, when I put ray, pray and read scripture together, you know, for today, I, I want you to think small and I want you to think simple. Don't look at that and think, ah, oh, you know, I don't know if I'm really ready to, to lead somebody else or to do an in-depth Bible study. We're not talking about an in-depth Bible study. And, and praying together, hey, there's probably more people in here than not that are not comfortable praying out loud. Not, 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 not comfortable doing that. And, and I know, and I'll speak as a man, men don't like to look incompetent in front of their wives, right? I, I don't want to look like I'm not good at something in front of Karen. I don't want to look like I can't do something in front of her. And so the very thing we may need the most is to pray together, but I feel weird. I don't know what 
I don't want her to think I don't know how to, you know. And so we get, we get kind of squeamish sometimes about the very things we need to do the most. Listen, praying together can be this. God, help us love each other. Amen. Now, you're done for the week. I and mean, we could be talking about a solid three-minute commitment here. Hey, Lord, the pastor guy's talking about oneness. Would you help us figure that out? Amen. God, would you help us forgive? Amen. Lord, you know the struggle we're having with little Junior over here. Could you give some help there? Amen. And honey, why don't you read Psalm, I don't know, 24. That's one of them, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, folks, it really, it really can be that simple. Don't make this bigger. Don't make this more debt. Don't make this more complex. You know, I do believe if you'll just start that simple, you'll be surprised how that evolves over time. But it can be that simple. Worship and serve together. Okay, worship, man, you, you, hey, most of us got that accomplished today, right? We got in the car, we came here, we're sitting in the building, we worship, we get in the car, we go home, take a nap, all's good. I check one off. Now, let's hope that it evolves maybe a little bit and we go just from driving to the building together and, and, and sitting through this together to where maybe on the way home we start to talk, start to let each other inside because that's what's necessary for oneness about maybe how we heard God speak or Man, a song that ministered to us, or maybe a conversation we had out in the concourse. Some, folks, I think more, sometimes more significant things happen out there as do happen in here. And it could be a conversation. Hey, you know, I had this conversation with somebody. Man, I feel like God really spoke to me through that. Or, you know, I had a chance to do that. And we start sharing, letting each other inside spiritually what's happening. Serving together. Now, serving together kind of sounds like in the same proximity, like you're almost holding hands as you do that. And it can certainly be that, but, but it doesn't have to be that. I, honestly, one of the great places of oneness for Karen and I is, is our spiritual oneness in serving together. How we serve God, how we serve his family together. And do you realize, I don't remember the last time Karen and I drove to church in the same car. I mean, ever. We don't ever drive to the church in the same, in the same, the same car. Uh, she is ministering right now in that room, right behind that wall. I don't ever go in that room on Sunday morning, ever. I might see her, I might say hi to her during one of the three services. Here, so you know, it might look like we're all over the place. But no, it's together that we approach God's house, that we approach God's people. It's together with a commitment. How do we love? How do we serve God? How do we give our marriage and our lives to you for the, the purpose of your people? And of course, you can do it together. You know, I mean, hey, you, you know, you could, you could be in here and you could go into a life group and, and tell the teacher, the administrator, there, hey, our, our, we, we would like to minister to a group of couples together. We have group leaders in life group and you take four or five couples and, and you say, okay, we're going to be in, we're going to kind of keep up with, you know, calling them and knowing what's going on in their lives and how to pray for them. And so as a couple, you say, hey, we're together going to minister to these four or five people. And, and, and so we, we do that. Hey, that's, you're going to find an incredible, you know, what's incredible here, folks, how many couples do you know that are purposely working on spiritual oneness? So you're wondering, why I don't feel close to my mate? And I find almost no marriage even understands this concept. We're leaving out one leg of a, of a stool with three legs on it. Guess what a stool with three legs on it that's missing a leg does? It falls over. Okay, so we, we work on spiritual one. Number three, periodically take a day to fast and pray for your marriage. Now, that certainly sounds a little more complex than, than the other two. But by periodically, I mean, that could be once a year. And I'm talking about the fasting, not the praying. Please don't pray just once a year. 
that went a little more, right? You know, as a matter of fact, let me really encourage you to pray regularly for your marriage. You know, a lot of time what happens is we start praying for our marriage when we're frustrated, right? We're frustrated, we're angry, expectations aren't being met. That's a good time to pray. But what ends up happening is we're only praying when there's something negative going on. But if I choose to kind of set a methodical, disciplined way of praying, for me it's Monday. Every Monday, a a big focus of my prayer time is on our marriage. And when I've set a purpose to do that, now I'm not just praying about something I don't like or I wish this or I wish that. But now I'm maybe praying on some more proactive things or some more positive things. Hey, Lord, I know we're talking about oneness up at church right now. Would you show me how I can do that? What's my role? Hey, God, would you make me aware of what I'm doing that's hurting oneness, that's keeping that from happening? And so we kind of pick a day to, to start doing that. But, but once a year, once every three months, six months, I mean, think of what it communicates to your mate when you say, hey, honey, I'm, I'm going to take today, I'm going to be at work, but when I have some extra moments, I'm going to I'm going to take today and just kind of fast and pray for our marriage. You know, we got some decisions coming up and we're doing this. Is, is there anything specific I can be praying about for you? Man, what a depth of commitment and sacrifice to communicate to your mate that, hey, I, want to, I really want to get focused on, on me and God and how that relates to me and you. I mean, folks, this is a super turbocharge to your marriage. I mean, I, I, just, I just promise, okay? Try it out. All right, let's move to the physical. Gets a little dicey now. Come together sexually at least, how many times a week? Boy, doesn't that line just fill the room with tension right now? You, you know, I, I don't know, and I'm probably not right. I, I just feel like half of the room is going, no, 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 no. No, 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 don't, don't say a number. And the other half of the room is going, go high, go high. I mean, right now, men all across the room taking notes during the sermon for the first time ever. Go high. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Hey, you know what? It gets a little tricky putting a number there, doesn't it? And and it's, it's not tricky because there's so many different couples, so many different marriages. It's tricky to give a number to one couple. And you can't, you can't hold to a number, you know, every week. It's got to be this number. No, there's, I mean, that's not how life works. Man, there's an ebb and a flow to life. There's some more and there's some less. There's some more and there's some less. It just Different seasons, different things going on in life. That's normal. That's regular. That's a reality. But the key is to work at being regular. And I understand we're bringing baggage We're bringing hurt. We're bringing abuse. Sometimes our mate doesn't even know what we're bringing, what we're dealing with. And man, we got to deal with that. Folks, pray about your sex life. I understand for some that might just sound a little super weird. You know, I I got newsflash. God doesn't blush when you say the word sex. You understand? He he knows what's going on. (laughs) He, He understands. He's got it. All right? His design, his creation. Listen, I would talk to God about every single area of my life, but but my sex life, which so impacts us, man, this needs to be a place that we we talk to the Lord about. Now, the the scripture actually does give some direction here. 1 Corinthians 7, 5. It says, do not deprive each other. And I love this. It says, except in the case of, of prayer. 
Okay, so if we're, if we're mutually agreeing, hey, listen, we need a season, we need a time of prayer, then we would agree, okay, maybe during this time I can say, we can say no, because we're going to be praying. But I love the next part of the passage. It says, but then get back together. It's about the only place I know in Scripture where it says, okay, come on, now you can't pray forever, get back to business. You know, I mean, that's incredible. But there's a reason it says that. Read, read the first opening verses of 1 Corinthians 7. The reason it says, don't deprive one another, get together. And folks, I'll refer to our sex sick, our sex saturated society. And I understand this now more than ever before. Do you realize a regular healthy sex life in your marriage is actually a form of protection? That's what 1 Corinthians 7, you need this to protect each other. You know, I think about a lot of different things about why sex and what and sex. I don't know without scripture that I would have thought of that as a way of protecting my mate. So, folks, it's amazing what scripture has to say about this. You know what scripture says about sex? It's a way of serving my mate. Think of how opposite what the world tells us, what pornography tells us. I mean, our whole concept of sex is something you get. This is something I get, my need, what I want, how I, I feel. And the scripture says, no, you go into this to give, to serve, to bless the other. Your focus is on the other, not, not yourself. But boy, we're not going to hear or see that anywhere. Hey, I got an idea. Let's, lie, let's stop letting the lie shape how we think about this. All right, let's start letting God shape how we think about this. Go to his word, go to prayer, come together sexually regularly. Now, regularly is a tricky word, right? I mean, we regularly celebrate Christmas once a year. Now, that can't be it. We regularly eat three times a day. Uh, I don't know. But you know what? It's that, it's that giving and it's that serving. You discuss together through the ebbs and flows of life, through the seasons of life, what's regular for you, what's a need for you. And the goal is not to defend your definition. Your goal is to understand your mate's definition. Number two, play together. Recreation, physical. That's, that's the outside me. Hey, go for a walk, garden, play tennis, golf. Just a little side note, shopping does not count as, as playing together. I just, I feel like I need to throw that in. Okay, number three, go out on a date. Okay, now the big thing here is you're, you're communicating to your mate, being with you is really important to me. Carving out time in life, carving out time in the month to, to just have some alone time to talk, to share, to laugh, to remember why we fell in love to, to begin with, you know, to come in. You know, just make it creative. I don't think it has to be creative. I don't think it has to be creative. I don't think you have to have money. I think it can be fun when you have money and you can be creative. But the big thing is that you're communicating, hey, being with you is a value to me. I know y'all are the same as Karen and I, certain seasons in life, a lot of little kids running around. I mean, for us, going to the grocery store became a date. You know, taking third. And if that is where you are in life, that's okay. But just make sure in doing that, that you're communicating, you know, I don't think going to the grocery store is that big a deal, but being with you makes it awesome, right? That's what we're trying to communicate. Okay, last, last one here, uh, emotional oneness. Every week, know what they, your mate, 
know what they're excited about and anxious about. Now, what this is about, folks, is just letting somebody know what's going on in your life. Now, if we're being real, hey, not all of my weeks have some big exciting thing that's going to happen. Not all of my weeks have something I'm anxious, concerned, or worried about. And so it can become real easy to give the absolutely most inappropriate answer when your mate asks you this question. And that would be to say, nothing. Hey, what are you excited about? What are you looking forward to this? Nothing. See, it's easy to say that. And I might just be telling the truth. But there's a little bit of essence in that when they're basically, they're knocking on the door of my oneness and I'm just saying, nope, door's not opening. Okay, we, we work at, I mean, lie, make something up. No, don't do that. I don't know why I said that. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. But folks, think about it. Don't get caught on the word excited and anxious and has to think it has to be the biggest thing in the world. Hey, you can be looking forward to having lunch with somebody. You can be thinking, I mean, I'm not that scared, I'm not concerned, but I do got a little bit of a busy week. You know, you're letting somebody inside know what you're thinking about. And that gives them a chance and opportunity maybe even to know how to pray for you. Okay, we're developing talking discussion. Every week, tell your mates something you appreciate about them. Okay, now folks, number two, communicating to your mates something you appreciate would be absolute evidence as to why I say growing together is not natural. You have to choose to do it. And I would point to this. Do you know that you do not have to think about what you want to communicate negatively to each other? I have never had a morning where I woke up and scratched my head and said, golly, I think it's, I think it's been like three weeks since I'd said something mean to Karen. Shoot, I got to get on the ball here. What, what can I say today that would, that would hurt? I got it. No, folks, that just comes out. I don't ever have to stop and think about what I want to say mean. It's just blah. Isn't it sad? Isn't it a statement about humanity? By the way, this isn't just a marriage issue. It's, it's true in our marriage. It's true with kids. It's true with friends. It's, it's true with anyone. You do not have to choose to say something mean. That's natural. That's automatic. Sadly, we actually have to stop and think. Hey, am I telling her what I appreciate about her? Am I telling him what, 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 why I'm proud of him? We actually have to stop and tell her. And I'm not suggesting, and it's hard. I just got to, whoo, what can I come up with? No, but I do have to stop. And Hey, when's the last time I said something? Make sure that's happening. Make sure it's happening weekly. Okay? Number three. Number three. Think about what your eye contact and tone of voice communicate. This is a little bit of a silly point. I almost feel like I'm teaching speech and speech 101 at school or something. Just a quick reminder. Your words are only 10% of communication. Your tone of voice, your eye contact, how you act. You know what the evidence of this is? Have you ever been in an argument with your mate and you start, re- you start well, you said... You know, you start repeating what each other said. And then they, when they repeat what you said, they make you sound nasty and horrible, right? And so then you say, all I said was, bah, 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 and you add some stupid syrupy thing. You know it's a lie. You know you didn't say it like that. But we, what, when, of course, when we're trying to win an argument, we start convincing ourselves that that's how we really said it. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Stop repeating I said this word. Who cares? 
That's only about 10% of understanding what just happened. Our behavior, our attitude. You know, what, you know what's really going on here? You know, when, when we're not, back to number two, when we're not appreciating, maybe in our mind we're rehearsing how they're failing us, how we, you know, we don't feel like they love us enough, how they're not doing. We build up this attitude and we walk through the door and we think that, you know, we're just having this private eternal, internal conversation. Guess what? Everything going on inside you comes out on your face. It comes out in your tone of voice. Sometimes you didn't even mean to start a fight, but the ugliness inside you gave meaning to all the words that came out. And all of a sudden, you go, what did I do to be in trouble? Oh, no, you just got caught. That's all that happened there. Because it's not private what's going on in here. You wear it, okay? So let's, let's recognize the truth there and realize that. Number four, don't overwhelm in communication. I should have added a word here in negative communication. Hey, listen, we live in a fallen world. There's always negative to communicate. That's real. And our mate is usually somebody we want to process junk with. You know, and so, you know, we see each other and, you know, here's everything wrong at work and here's everything wrong on the news. And oh, by the way, here's everything wrong with you. And it's just, listen, if you see an army of problems coming at you, what do you do? You close the gate. That's an automatic. I, I, I see an army, jing, gate comes down. Listen, your mate might actually be doing four or five, six really significantly wrong things. And they might really significantly be hurting the marriage. But I'm going to tell you, strategically, don't go at him, don't go at her with the four, five, six things they're doing wrong because all you're guaranteeing is that the gate comes down and they don't even interact with one. I, he said, but I can't pick one. They're all so... Yeah, but if you want something to work, you've got to deal with one thing. And, and then you pray about that one thing. And then you try to add grace to that. Because that's what scripture tells us, right? Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. But only such a word as gives grace. It ought to give grace when we're actually trying to talk about problems and things that are wrong. Number five is actually not another point. It's kind of like a summary of the other four altogether. It's just being aware. Listen, everything I'm doing all week long is having an impact on our oneness. You are never not impacting your marriage. There's no such thing as a neutral moment. There's no such thing as a moment where nothing is happening. You are always impacting oneness. I mean, you can really, you can, you can get up and walk out of a room and say, okay, what did I leave in there? Did I create openness? Did I create a, 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 a oneness? Or, or did, I, did I hurt it a little bit? Now, folks, I'm not suggesting our marriages can't sustain uh, an off week. And, and what I'm giving you here in all of these is not only some ideas, but every one of these is measurable. You, you can come to the end of any week, every week, and look back and say, did I create oneness? Did I invest in oneness? Or did, did I do nothing at all? And, and in this, I really think you should be this specific. You should be thinking about what did I invest in emotionally? What did I invest in physically? What did I invest in spiritually? And, and, and every week you're making an impact. And again, I, I think 
probably a lot of our marriages we can sustain a week where there's no no great investment maybe nothing really good happened nothing in one of the areas or maybe even in all three but let me tell you something I think our world is so dangerous and I think life is so volatile I don't think you can stretch that to two weeks because see we're not naturally growing close together because we're good people and we love our mate we're naturally growing apart I don't think you can sustain two weeks for this reason two weeks becomes not even thinking about it we're not even thinking of good people going to church we're not even thinking about hey what am I investing in spiritual emotional and physical with my mate it's not an accident it's not an accident that you arrive at oneness we choose for this to happen. And, and maybe through sacrifice, through hurt, through sometimes not getting it back, maybe we touch that deep level of belongingness. Maybe in a mystery that's probably a little beyond my ability to explain, we see something about the Trinity. We, we see something about God. Oneness, I just used the title, make love, pray, and talk as often as you can. Let's pray. Father, you have, you have charged us to be one. You have given us a a relationship and you have charged us to work at oneness in that relationship Lord I, I think probably it's easy to look at these things to hear this today it's easy to say I, I, I didn't know but there's no mystery that was revealed today there's no new information that was given to mankind today it, it's in your word it's always been there you've always said this God, I, I ask that you would forgive us that we look to so many places for happiness, for definition, for instruction, for direction, but to your word. And Lord, I pray you would raise in us a new passion, a new commitment to go to your word, to discover what your word says about, about marriage, about family, about these areas of our life. And, and God, I pray that in that, I pray for us a, a new devotion, a new commitment where that, that belongingness could be discovered and maybe the Trinity seen. What a crazy idea. I had no idea that's what could happen in my marriage. Oh God, may it be so for each and every one of us. Lord, you know we need your help. And we ask for that now in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.